Welcome back, leaders. It is the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host for this episode, Brad Lamanek. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for uh, leaning in, looking to lead better, to uh, lead well, to be healthy, to thrive in your life, your leadership, and your ministry. And that's our goal, too, for you. And thanks for being a part of this episode. Thanks for being a part of this journey. So uh, hit us up at thriveconference.org, thriveconference.org. You can uh, find more information there. You can find all kinds of resources, great articles, links, other podcasts, the Thrive Leadership Podcast, the Thrive Women's Podcast, and all kinds of uh, videos. And on this episode, Michael Jr. Michael Jr., one of the funniest people on the planet. He is a comedian. He's an artist. He's a writer. He's got a new book out. A great new book, the Funny How Life Works book. And many of you have probably heard Michael Jr. You've watched some of his videos. You've watched him on uh, social media. You've seen him on late night shows. Uh, by the way, head on over to Michael Jr., michaeljr.com. There's all kinds of great stuff there. Uh, he is. Uh, he just makes me smile. He makes me. He makes me laugh. And he's got a. He's got a tour going on right now, all over the country, from Arizona to New Jersey to. North Carolina, to Minnesota, to Plano, Texas, uh, happening this this year in 2021, uh, in starting in June and then uh, continuing all throughout all throughout uh, the year, even into December. So, check out Michael Junior. MichaelJunior.com. Check out his new book. And uh, as I said, he's a comedian. He by using comedy and dynamic storytelling, he brings laughter and encouragement to audiences all over the world. As he inspires audiences to discover and activate their purpose, uh, this skill has landed him on stages like Tonight Show on NBC, TED Talks, Jimmy Kimmel Live. I mean, just to name a few. You can also find him in in the uh, feature film War Room, as well as starring roles in Selfie Dad, Laughing on Purpose, More Than Funny. So, let's sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let's hear from our good friend, author, speaker, storyteller, comedian, Michael Jr. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me in a conversation with Michael Jr. Yes. Great to see you, Michael. Now, I got to say this here. Michael is many things, okay? Uh, He is a husband. He's a dad. He is a speaker. Now, listen to this. He is a comedic thought leader. A wow. comedic, that is deep, everybody. That is dope. It's deep, but not too deep. Okay, come on, just explain this, because, Michael, first of all, great to have you here. Yeah. Great to have you here. We Thanks. love you. You're a friend of Thrive. Uh, you're a voice in America on so many different Thanks, levels. So just unpack that just for a second, this comedic thought leader, because yeah. it sounds so intriguing. So, um... Are we going to do it with the accent the whole time? Is that I, I stay in character the whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like Daniel Day-Lewis. I just like practice oh. the whole thing and I just stand. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> before you were just sound like you were from Alabama before the cameras came. <laughs> um, so uh, someone said that phrase about me, comedic thought leader. And I was like, wow, because, and it did fit because I, I really, really like making people laugh. But I also like making them think a little more because when people laugh, their heart is open. If the heart is open, I want to make a deposit that can make a good change. So, yeah. So I like the phrase comedic thought leader. It's kind of cool, man. It's, yeah. It's sticky for yeah. me anyway. I don't know. That's good. So, Michael, you, you are funny. Uh, it's just bottom line. <laughs> oh, thanks, you, no, no, you are funny. Uh, my, my kid, he did a comedy class at college, and, and, and I don't know how, but he'd never heard of you. I said, you need to come and hear this guy. He is really funny. When was the first time you told a joke? 
And people started laughing and you thought, I'm good at this. Yeah, so I, I think I thought knew I was funny when I was nine years old. Okay. I grew up in a household where when grown people are talking, kids aren't. Okay. So I knew, and we we went over some uh, some friends' house, some friends of my uncle. Yeah. And it was my dad, my uncle, and then me. And I'm nine years old, and we go into their house, and their house is filthy. I'm talking about <laughs> filthy. And we grew up in Michigan. Okay. So we went over there in the wintertime, and their house is, I mean, there's clothes all over. They got four bathrooms or three of the toilets don't even work, but they were You were still, wearing masks before anybody else. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was really bad, and they had roaches and all of this stuff, man. <laughs> and I'm nine years old, and I can't say anything, but I'm feeling it. So then when we get back in the car, I said to my dad, I had a thought. I was like, if I say this, I wonder if they'll laugh. But I had to put it in the form of a question. I said, uh, and we're, you know, we're in Michigan and it's January. And I said, um, hey, Dad, I didn't know you could have flies in January. <laughs> and him and my uncle <laughs> cracked up laughing. Because flies are not supposed to exist in January. It's too yeah. cold. So at that moment, I was thinking, man, you know what? This is interesting. And then I would have thoughts yeah. about things that could be funny. But I would always be strategic. Even in class, I was never the class clown. Yeah. Because uh, my dad had this thing that also held up his pants. So I didn't want to have to deal with that. So <laughs> I would only say things in class that was funny enough mm -hmm. to make the teacher laugh. Because a laughing That's teacher... smart. A laughing teacher doesn't send you to the, um, to the principal's office. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. So <laughs> laughing, let's talk about the theology of humor. Okay, mm, yeah. you know, let's think, because I, 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 I do think Jesus probably was incredible yeah, fun to be around. Absolutely, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if he had a routine, right. but I'm sure he was like. For me, you know, Michael, when I watch you doing, let's just call it your thing. When I when I see you de being a comedic thought leader, okay, oh, thanks, he, no, listen to me. I, it's like that guy is doing what God made him to do. It's absolutely. like a, it's like a gift. Humor is like a gift. It is, man. I get a sense of, um, I just get it in a significant way. And I wasn't necessarily, a lot of it is just natural, but there is a lot of work that has to go into it as well. And some of it even came from a handicap. When I was a kid, I used to struggle with my reading. Okay. And because I couldn't read as quickly as the rest of the kids, I, my mind would scramble to try to figure out what words were, what they meant. I would yeah. look at the font size, the color, the positioning, what's in front of us, behind it. I came up with all these ways to look at a word, and now um, I read just fine. But mm -hmm. I still have this ability to look at words and now people and situations almost seven different ways immediately. Yeah. And it's the primary place that I pull my comedy from. Mm -hmm. So there's the timing aspect, but then there's also the noticing, the being aware of what's going on, and then even noticing the stuff that nobody else necessarily notices. That's the best. In fact, today I was thinking, anyway, tonight, well, I mean, when, when I speak at, at Thrive, I got some brand new, wow. straight out the box stuff that I just wrote probably this week. We're gonna see what happens. So it's that sort of situational stuff. You just observe it, yes. watch it. It's I'm excited cool. because this pandemic is now finally, looks like it's coming to an end. And I haven't been on stage. And as for a comedian, you have to get on stage to hone the material. Mm. Like like when a pastor gets on stage, you work it, you work it out. Yeah. At home, you study, then you present it. Then once it's presented, you're done. Yeah. Well, and that works fine if you're a singer or a pastor because it's not really reaction based. Yeah. 
Meaning people can listen to a singer and be like, oh, that was so good. And the person right next to him could be like, that was horrible. Uh-huh. Because it's it's subject to whoever, to the to the receiver. Yeah. Comedy is not. Mm-hmm. Comedy is straight truth. Mm-hmm. If you're funny, they're going to laugh. Even if they don't want to, they're going to laugh. But yeah. if you're not funny, they're not going to laugh collectively. Yeah. And you'll know immediately if it was impactful. So I'm excited about getting back on stage just because I have a lot of new comedy. I'm ready to do it. But let's see how it goes. Uh, yeah, it'll be great. I'll be <laughs> laughing. Don't worry. I'm excited. Um, talk about, so are you funny all the time? Come on, let's just be. You wake up in the morning just yeah, like one. just cracking w- jokes. Just disciplining my kids <laughs> at the same time cracking jokes. No, no, not at all. I'm actually really quite reserved. Okay. Now, I'm always doing the math on what's funny. I'm constantly seeing the funny. But what I'll do is I'll just pull out my phone. I'll open up Trello, and I'll make a note in there. Wow. And not even do anything with the note until it's time to sit down and do something with the notes. Then at that point, so I actually have a scheduled time where I'll do that. I'll develop it. and then. But at the same time, what people don't understand is all comedy is doing, this is literally what it's doing. Comedy is A, B, three. Mm. That's really what comedy is. You thought I was going to say C, but I didn't. Then I said three, and you was like, you know what? That kind of fits. Mm. And then you don't even get caught up on it. So that's all comedy is, A, B, three. You were thinking A, B, C, but I changed your perspective a little bit. And when you saw it from this new perspective, it gave you a revelation. And you were like, oh, what a beautiful thing that God is showing me is that same template that I'm using for comedy can be used in other areas as well and have an equal impact on people. And really? that is where the phrase comedic thought leader is really That's coming from. So last week, um, I was preaching on the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, it's the first parable that he introduces from Jesus. Mm-hmm. A third of Jesus's um, teaching was mm-hmm. three parables. Just the, is it Jesus's? G- oh, sorry, Jesus. Yeah, how do Jesus's. you? No, I'm just curious. How Come do on, you, the plural. How do you the plural Jesus's? Jesus. I don't know if you can. I don't know. I've never what would done you it. say? I'm actually, I would the say, possessive um, Jesus would, of the parables? I would say um, Jesus is is. That's what I would say. I'm Jesus <laughs> is is. The parables of Jesus. Yes. You see what it did there? Oh, you flipped okay, it. Okay, I flipped it, it around. Okay. What it did there was A, B, 3. You did. Okay. You actually, you went 1, B, C. Oh, you're you good. You flipped it. Completely. You're good. So the, par- mark, the right. parables of Jesus. But but one guy said this. A better word for Jesus than teacher was a parabolist. Like he was the one that took parables mm. and like literally like took people on this journey and they were like freaking out. Like, you know, the uh, the farmer that loses sheep, one in a hundred. The the, uh, the woman that loses oh, a coin, yeah. one in ten. And then the mothers are freaking out because then he goes, there was two sons and they're going, oh, one of them is going to get lost. So you, oh. you, you uh, for me, there's something again, when, when I want to bring you back to this because I think it's so powerful, this comedic thought leader, it's just not you're saying, oh, this is funny for the sake of it being funny. You're taking people on a journey to I this. I really, thing. really want to take them on a journey. In fact, um, Rick Warren, uh, gave me a book. Actually, he didn't give me a book. He told me to get it. I was like, dude, why don't you buy it for me? Why gotta... <laughs> it was called The Humor of the Christ. And wow. if you ever get a chance to read the book, oh my goodness, don't. Jesus is his humor? If you get a chance to read it, don't. It was miserable. <laughs> right. It was a hard read just because it was in the old English. It was, right, well, okay. you probably wouldn't enjoy it. But anyway, I didn't. <laughs> so I read this book and it really showed how most likely Jesus was probably using humor when he spoke. So I yeah. went back and I read some yeah. of the verses and I'm looking at it, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, when Jesus, when the rich 
guy came and said, hey, what do I got to do? Yeah, yeah. And then Jesus says, sell all of your stuff and then come follow me. And yeah. he didn't. And then him and all his disciples are sitting around mm. and he says, it's easier for a camel to go through a, a, the eye of a needle. There's no way that's not funny. Yeah, yeah. There's no way that's not funny. But when we read it, we don't laugh because we know the end of the story. Yes. And we're assuming he must have been all somber. But in that moment, I'm quite sure they had to laugh. They were going. Because that's, think about it. It's a powerful moment. This guy wants to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's all into it. He's like, what do I got to do? And then he decides to leave. That's a sad moment. And then Jesus says, Brilliant. three. He, they, yeah. You had A, you had B, and then that was three in that moment for wow. sure. John the Baptist brought out his phone and thought, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> he said, you know what? I'm going to write this later on. This is hilarious. hilarious. That Jesus guy just dropped John the Baptist was like, this is going to take the head off. This is going to be awesome. I like this a lot. So that was dope. good. That was good. I like what you did there. Okay. So, uh, humor. I mean, I, I, I come from Ireland. Our problem is that we, we try to laugh too much off. Mm. It's 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 deflection. We use it with deflection. We, yeah. and, and that's not good. Twenty twenty, eh? It hasn't been a good year. Yeah, the thing about deflection too, man, is a lot of people use comedy. I did this when I first started. I would use it as a chicken exit. What I mean is, as soon as something gets real, I used to. And this when I first mm. started out, I would crack a joke to not deal with the real. You got Irish blood in there somewhere. Right, yeah, I'm sure. I'm thinking Slave Masters probably came over. Was <laughs> that awkward? Or, anyway. or, or, or a Guinness. It's one yes, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. So I'm sitting there and uh, I, I realize that there's a, there's, I'm, I'm laughing, like we're having about to have a moment and then I crack a joke. And then through a bunch of study and trying to understand myself better, I realized that's a chicken exit. And as soon as I caught a chicken exit, I didn't want to do it anymore. Is that original? Did you come up with that? No, this, that guy named, this guy named Brian Clemmer okay. said it originally. It was brilliant. And it's that's great. exactly what it was. Because everyone has some sort of chicken exit where they do something when things get either weird or maybe you need to tell somebody you love them and you don't know what to do. In fact, when, when most men, when they say to somebody else that they love them, when they say it to two guys, they always put something on the other end of love. Have you noticed that? Hmm. They'll say something like, I love you, man. Or I love you, dude, because there's it's more power when you just end with I love you. Mm -hmm. There's some power right there. But most of the time we take the chicken exit, add an another word, and, and then remove the power, putting more verbiage in between the love that we're trying to express. I don't even know how we got there. That is good. Chicken exit. That's I, I hope my wife's not watching this because she's going to go yeah. chicken exit right there. Right. Because you're up there, I love you, honey bumpkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honey, bumpkins. Just sit yeah. on. I love you. But also, when, it, when sometimes it gets real, I'll do like a joke and look stupid. And she's going to chicken exit, you know? You know, one thing I do, man, is I always purposely try to think about what I'm thinking about. Mm. Like whenever I, because here's what, I'm doing a bunch of digging into this stuff. Because here's what happens, man. For example, so, um, so right now, mm -hmm. I just flipped the phone around. Mm -hmm. And when I flipped the phone, you had to, first you saw it. Then you had to attach a meaning to it. Mm -hmm. And then after you attach a meaning to it, depending on what's going on, an emotion will show up. Mm -hmm. And after the emotion, a response, right? Yeah. A behavior or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Most people see something, they attach a meaning to it. This girl, okay, she looked at me, she doesn't like me. They attach this meaning to it. And then they, the emotion is, well, she don't like me, I don't like her. And that's, that's the action. Mm -hmm. Very few people stop and check in between seeing something and attaching a meaning to it. 
very few people stop there and say, wait a minute, am I attaching the right meaning to this thing? Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, is I could have some sort of nervous tick where I do this all the time. Yeah. But the meaning you attached to it or somebody else attached to it was he's angry mm-hmm. or he's upset. But they never question why did that actually, they never question why they were thinking that way. Yeah. Which for me as, as somebody who does comedy, I get to come in there and pull that apart and then write a story around it and then bring laughter to people as a result of it. Because I'm constantly thinking what I'm thinking about, and I'm also trying to anticipate what the audience is thinking about. Well, obviously, you know, a compliment to you, there's high intellect involved in comedy. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you really are. You know, but there's so many layers that you're working with. But but also there's incredible psychology. Because Mm. for me, the the person with the comedic ability, they, they set the emotional, often they set the emotional temperature in a room. Yes. That's That's genius. It's so true. And then my wife will go there and turn it down because she likes it cold in the room. So it's the weirdest thing ever. 66 degrees at night? That's how we roll in my house. Wow. Apparently you sleep better when it's cool. Yeah, it is true. That's what she told me? Yeah. I'm like, I'm just putting more blankets on. I don't know what you're going through right now. I'm going to put more blankets on. So it's pretty dope. Yeah. So uh, tell me, 2020, uh, I mean... It sounds crazy to talk about this. What about your year? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there any laughter in 2020 with everything well, that we've been yeah. through? Yeah, well, here's what I found out. Uh, apparently, I'm not essential. <laughs> found that out. <laughs> I didn't even know it until that happened. I wasn't essential. So I think 2020, man, really, I love people. Like, I love, love, love people. And uh, there's a story that I'll talk about tonight, and it's yeah. also in a book, where I talk about... Um, the fun, how much fun it is to help people. Yeah. And right now, even through the, the pandemic, a lot of people are seeing the hurt and the pain, and then they're just taking it on themselves and saying, man, I'm hurting too. And then they're perpetuating all the hurt and the pain. Not that it's not real, but instead, if you could look at it and recognize, wow, this is a great opportunity to help even more people. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's a phenomenal opportunity to help people. Yeah. Like it's easier now before you'd have to really kind of dig in to see if somebody was hurting. But you can tell, like, most people are hurting. Yeah. So now it's a matter of being sensitive and saying, okay, how how can I give to somebody else? Mm-hmm. What's the thing that I can do? Even if it's like a drive-by prayer or a sniper prayer. Like, you can see the hurt yeah. on people all the time. So I, I'm, I, I was excited about 2020. In fact, being home was the best. Seriously. So we were already preparing... Uh, me and my team were already preparing six months before the pandemic happened. We were preparing to do digital comedy shows. We came up with this thing called a digital comedy show where it's me in front of a camera and I personalized the comedy show because I get so many requests to come do events. We personalized it and then we, we edited it together with the same things from the big stage and the people were loving it. Then the pandemic hit, and we happened to have this already set. Mm. So I got to stay home and be with my family and then just really try to be there for other people who weren't prepared for what was going on. Yeah. What did you learn in this season? I learned that um, there's a bunch of different ways to bring joy and happiness to people other than just standing on stage. So in the midst of that is when I, I wrote the book. I started thinking. I started doing more videos. I released... Yeah, the book. book. Come yes. on, let, let's pause here. Let's yeah. what show us the book, the name, the, the title, book. everything. It's called Funny for a Reason. No, I'm sorry, that's my first CD. The book is actually <laughs> it's called Funny How Life Works. It's it's about life, and it's a it's about my life 
And it's funny how life works. So one of the examples is I share stories from my life. In fact, one of the stories happened here at Bayside. Wow. Dude, there's a story in here, chapter 25. I don't, I don't know if you know about this or not, but last time I was here, man, so whenever I do comedy, I'm all, while people are laughing, I'm listening in between the gaps. And mm. the question I'm asking is, God, what do you want me to give my audience? Mm. What do you want me to give to this audience? I used to ask, how can I get last? Yeah. But I changed it to, what can I give to this audience? Which changed everything. So what will happen is in the middle of some jokes, I'll say something that I feel like I'm supposed to say. And I think when I was here, I said something along the lines of, there's probably some people out there right now who you have to make a real difficult move. And you, I'm telling you, you have the power. God is with you. You can absolutely do this. Life will be better on the other side of this. You got it. And I'll jump into another joke. Well, afterwards, security, I did an autograph line thing. And then security came looking for me knocking on the green room door, and he's like, hey, there's this guy out here he wants to talk to you. I'm like, who? Okay, but cool. And I walk outside, it's this, this white dude, it's an Eminem-looking dude. He got on like a wife beater, he all tatted up. And he looked like he was high. But he wasn't high. As I got closer to him, I could tell he wasn't high, he had been crying, which isn't abnormal at one of my events yeah. for people to cry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes from laughter, but sometimes just because we'll go deep, like, yeah. and then jump back up with laughter, and your body is going through all these emotions. So he said, he says to me, he said, man, listen, and security was right there. So we, he steps to the side a little bit and I step with him. I'm like, all right, cool. He said, Hey man, I just came here to get away from everything. So much pressure, man. I just came here to laugh and get away with so much pressure. I was like, oh, okay, cool, man. It's a lot of pressure in the world. It's great. And then he says, uh, and then he tells me that he's a fugitive in several different States. Wow. And he moved here to hide out from the police. He came to the comedy show to get away from it all. And he said, man, when you said what you said, man, I know what I got to do. And he asked me, he said, could you do me, could you, could you help me? Could you call the police, man? I want to turn myself in. That happened right doggone here. Wow. We called, some of the security were police officers as well. They brought a car around. That dude gets in the back of the car and pulls off like the end of the movie looking at me, waving. Do and it's because I was listening in between the gaps. If I was only doing jokes, mm. if I was just making people laugh instead of saying, "Okay, what can I really give in this moment? What am I supposed to say?" and then listening to God and just saying the thing, that that was one of that was a powerful moment. But there's there's probably 24 additional moments like that that we wrote in this book, and we add application to it so people can apply it to their own life, man. So I'm super excited. It's great. But yeah, I don't think I ever even told. I don't know if I. I don't think I told Ray about that even. I think he was gone when that happened and I got on a plane. And, so I'm gonna share that story tonight. I'm gonna share that story on Dying. stage. So in case there's any more fugitives. That is crazy. Right? Yeah, it could be a fugitive. <laughs> I mean, in case you wanna admit something Whatever. right now. If you want. <laughs> well, neither did you how'd bring you, this How'd up? you come to the States all of a sudden? <laughs> Whatever. I mean, yeah, that, that border. Anyway, uh, if you're, you know, look, sort of looking to the camera, well, literally or metaphorically, uh, what would you want to say like to Christians at this moment in time? Because, uh, oh, okay, I, I've been in America six years and and last year was like America forgot to take its meds. I mean, mm. it was just a little crazy yeah. on so many different fronts. And I'm going, I, I, you know, this, what what's going on? What would you want to say to people that were, that have gone more left, more right, right. or whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? That are not the best version of themselves at this moment yeah, in time. Yeah, I would say, so yesterday I did an event for uh, the police in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was 
several different counties. We did three different shows. And um, I talked to him about, I asked him, before they put on their uniform, what question are you asking yourself? Because everyone has a question that they're asking subconsciously. And maybe when you put on a uniform, you put the gun on, maybe the question you're asking is, um, how can I get the bad guys? Mm -hmm. Well, if you ask, how can I get the bad guys? All you're going to do is look for bad guys. Mm -hmm. and, and the brain wants to answer any question, even if it's not right. So if I said to you, what does a purple tiger look like? Mm -hmm. Your brain just showed you what a purple tiger looks like. So if you ask the question, how can I find the bad guys? You're going to find some bad guy, even if there's not a bad person there. Mm -hmm. Your brain will be like, well, you look kind of bad. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a little bit. And then you'll suddenly. So I said, maybe you should consider asking a different question. And maybe the question should be something like, how can I make my community even better? Mm. So I told him, I challenged him. I said, ask that question 10 times before you put your uniform on. Because when you ask that question, the way to make it better could be to get the bad guys, but you could also probably notice little Malik who is frustrated because his the chain on his bike keeps popping. Mm -hmm. And now you put a toolbox in the back of your squad car. Mm. So then you stop and fix his handlebars and his chain, and you literally just made your community better. So what I would say to everybody watching right now is what question are you asking in the midst of this? Are you asking, uh, how can I be safe or what can I do here? Like if you're asking a question about getting, you're asking the wrong question. But if you ask a question about giving, your brain, your, your mind, the Holy Spirit is gonna show you opportunities mm -hmm. to give. So you gotta be aware of what question you're asking yourself because you're going to find some sort of answer, even if it's not the right answer. That's what you got to do. Change your question. You change your life. Fabulous. Um, another question. Um, how have you been this year emotionally? I mean, it's been an emotional mm -hmm. year on so many different levels. How, how have you managed all of that? You know what's weird, man? I feel amazingly great emotionally because, again, I just, I really, 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 really love serving people. And there's a bunch of people out there to serve. And I'm not just talking about as a as me getting up on stage and make people laugh, I'm talking about just in general, just noticing my neighbors going away. We had one neighbor whose fence had to be repaired or, and they were elderly and they just lost a daughter and it was weird and she lived with them. So we went over there as, and I talked to some of the other neighbors who I hadn't even met before mm. and we decided to fix their fence. Beautiful. Like that stuff right there, I'm telling, there's a story in the book where I talk about a police coming into my apartment mm -hmm. and um, the short of it is, they came to my apartment wrongfully, and one of them, one of the officers put a gun to my head, and he pulled the hammer back. In the last year? No, no, no. Oh, no, previous, was, This was when I was 19 years okay, old. Okay, yeah. So he pulls the hammer back, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was horrifying. Uh, and then shortly after that, while I'm on the, on the floor crying, the police officers leave my apartment because they realized I had nothing to do with the stuff. I'm on the floor uh, crying, just mad, just, just angry and hurt. There's a knock at the door, a really aggressive knock at the door. And it's a it's a, a Mexican lady whose apartment had got raided and they took her, her boyfriend away. And the reason they came to my apartment because they thought I might have had something to do with that. But I didn't. I was working 16 hours a day at a job. So they come in there and they're doing all of this extra stuff. And it's but this lady comes in and she's crying. She's in tears. And she's like, they took everything. They took, and she's speaking broken English. I could barely understand her. And if, if I back up a little bit, when the officers put the gun on my head, uh, they had me, I didn't have my ID on me. They said, where's your ID? I'm like, I'm in my apartment, what I got to show my ID for? So my ID was over the stove in my wallet. And the officer said, well, go get it. 
First of all, there's 15 officers in my apartment. Why would you have me get it? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just sit on the floor? Why do you want me to reach for something? Mm-hmm. So I reach up there for the wallet, and that's when he put the gun in my head and all that stuff, right? But when the lady comes in and she's crying and she's all upset and she's like, they took everything. She got two kids with her. She's crying. She doesn't know what to do. I reach for that same wallet, the very same wallet that they use to try to potentially mm-hmm. take my life. And I have $14 and some change. And I handed it to this lady. And then she gave me this hug and she walked out the door with her kids. And I never saw her again. But what really happened was in that moment when I was hurt, when I was, when I was afraid, when I was angry, she showed up and I gave her $14, but she gave me a gift that was amazing because they said to me, or that one particular, all the other officers, I'm not going, I'm not mm-hmm. tripping. I ain't even tripping off him anymore, but they said to me, nobody needs you. She came in directly after and said, somebody needs you. Wow. I need you. So right now, while all these people are, while all of this hurt and this pain is going on, if people could just say, okay, I know I'm hurting, I know I'm afraid, but just turn but just put your neck on a swivel just a little bit and look around because there's somebody next to you who's hurting as well. And if you could take the time out to help them in doing so, you yourself will absolutely be better as well. Fantastic. Last question. Mm-hmm. That's a comedic thought leader. Like what, what, how, how would you help people right now? How would you lead them? And what is the big thought that you would say if you could focus on one thing? Mm-hmm. Just as we're, it's not normal yet, but as we yeah. approach normal, what, what would be the one thing you would say? I would encourage you to do this one thing. I would say laugh. Come on. Really, I would say just, just I mean, you can go to YouTube. You can look up Michael Dream if you want. It's because it's clean. You also got Brian Regan out there who's hysterical. I would say laugh like real, real hard. Just do everything you can to laugh and then um, and just focus on the good. Because a, a lot of times the reason people fall into depression is because they're playing a videotape over and over again mm. of something negative that has happened or something negative that could happen. Laugh, focus on some laughter, and then focus on what's good. Because there is good. I don't care mm. what's going on. There's some good. So if you could just focus on that immediately, because you they bo- they can't occupy the same space. Like the, the fear and laughter can't occupy the same space. So as soon as you laugh, immediately the depression goes away. Mm. The only reason it jumps back on you is because you start playing that tape again. Mm-hmm. You got to stop playing that tape and say, okay, what can I focus on? And actually take time out and say, listen, I'm a, today I'm going to take... 10 minutes and all I'm going to do is focus on what's good and just write down all those good things Yeah, and just fo- focus on those. Oh yeah, when I went to the library with my cousin, that was fun. And just play that. <laughs> just start playing that in your head and I'm telling you, it'll change the game in a significant way. Great. Here, everybody, thank you for joining us. My, a conversation with Michael Jr. And you got to get to Amazon. Get the book. Yes, it's Amazon. It's all over the place. In fact, if you want... Um, you can go to uh, michaeljr.com slash chapter, and I'll give you a free chapter, free first chapter. There you go. michaeljr.com slash chapter. Or just buy the book. The proceeds are going to a black family in America. So. <laughs> Michael, you are awesome, a good dude. man. And You're awesome, man. Bless you. Share yeah. this with people, and because uh, awesome. they need this, okay? I shook my hand in the oh. pandemic. Hand <laughs> <laughs> <And> sanitizer, <laughs> quickly. Go quickly, bless you. bring it. Well, thanks again to Michael, Michael Jr. The question is, is what is Michael Jr.'s last name? That's the question that we all are asking. I don't know. Do some research. Find out. Hit us up. Let us know what uh, <laughs> what answer you found. Again, 
Michael Jr., M-I-C-H-A-E-L-J-R.com. MichaelJr.com is the website. You can, you can also follow him on all the, uh, on all the social outlets. Just uh, Google Michael Jr. You'll find him. Check out his comedy tour. Check out his book. Thanks again, Michael Jr., for joining us on this episode. And uh, you know what? Let's find more inspiration through comedy in our own lives. Let's laugh a little bit more. Let's smile a little bit more. Let's be leaders who, uh, who leave people better than we found them. How about that as a goal? And thanks again for tuning in to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. We want you to keep getting better. So uh, let's, let's be better leaders together. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Until then, lead well, my friends. <laughs>